Bezr Hashem. This is Parshat Devarim, 5778. Tomorrow, I'm cracking an egg. Tomorrow is the Hilula of the Holy Arizal. And I want to talk about the Arizal. What exactly was his great contribution to Judaism? It's definitely fair to say that the Torah of the Arizal was the major impetus to truly begin the process of the final redemption and the coming of Mashiach. Now why is that? So long story short, the Arizal was a huge Sadiq who had prophetic powers even though we're still in exile. He passed away at a young age of 37 or 39. He lived in the 1500s and he brought he didn't say anything new but what he was able what he was able to do was frame the language of Kabbalah in a new way of, of expression that all the ideas had been there but he framed it in a new way of expression and the results are so striking because essentially what he was able to discover or, or again what he was able to the way what he was able to articulate was the, was essentially the Torah's explanation of what we understand principles in quantum physics, observer created reality, the true nature and purpose and way of how the human subject subjective experience connects with the with the world around him. That's what I wanted to explore a little bit. So I think I'll ask a question. What, where exactly is the location of our memories? Think back to a time, just a really nice memory. Imagine it, go there. Where is it? Where is that memory? So, what if I said that all you are experiencing presently and all that you will experience in the future is also a memory. Would that sound like total nonsense? So what would that mean? So let me quote you a very beautiful midrash from the Talmud. Many people might know this. The Talmud says, before a child is born, there's no greater time than that. It's utter bliss. And he, his body is gestating in the womb, but his soul is in the greatest spiritual heights. And there's an angel teaching him, whatever this means, the entire Torah. And there's this candle that's shining over his head 
And whatever this means, it says that he's looking in this light from one end of the universe to the other. Okay. Sounds pretty awesome. So that's explained as saying that before we're born, we're taught the entire Torah. So that when we learn something that rings true, it doesn't necessarily feel like encountering new information, but we're actually re-experiencing something that we remember from that time before time. Which is where we were taught the entire Torah. But what does it mean that the t- entire Torah that we were taught is, is associated with this experience of this light shining from one end of the world to the other? What is, what is this light shining from one end of the world to the other? Why is that the Torah? Did the light that I saw when I was being taught, was it the same light that you saw when you were being taught the Torah? Let's hold these as questions. Oh, and one more important part of the, about this story, it says when the child is born, the angel, at that point where he takes in a breath, taps him on the mouth and then he forgets everything. And just, I mean, he doesn't forget it because there's a memory. Otherwise, what was the point? But he basically forgets everything and then he starts from square one. So what's the point of this experience is another interesting question. Now, let's, let's explore something else that's, that's connected, that's similar. It says about the creation of light on the first day of creation. I think this fire alarm is about to go off. I've been cooking food in a pan without cleaning it, and so now it's smoky. <laughs> oh, well. And now I walked outside in my socks, and it's wet. Oh, well. So when God said, let there be light, it says about this light also that a person is able to see from, was able to look at this light from one end of the world to the other. Now I have a question about that. Where was the man? What, what do you mean a man, the man, that man or a man was looking at this light from one end of the world to the other? Man was created on day six, whatever that means. And that's an extremely deep topic. What are these six days? It's not the simple meaning of six days. but And similarly, it also says that God saw the light that it was good to hide it away for the Siddiquim in the future, for the righteous in the future. That sounds just like the fact that this baby, before he's born, he's looking at this light from one end of the world to the other, and then, when he's born, it's hidden in a way for him to discover later in his life. So there's obviously a fascinating parallelism here. So what does this light represent? I'm going to say that that light, this light shining from one end of the world to the other, meaning it's a light that you, you understand all the deep truth that is hidden in all physical and spatial and temporal experiences before they even happen. It's the real hidden meaning behind every experience in this universe 
before those experiences actually play out on a lower plane of time and space. So why are we taught this before we're born? Why is this shining before man is born as, as Adam Rishon, as the first man? And why does it have to be hidden? And what does this have to do with my original question of where is the location of our memories? So I want to submit that this light is actually us. You are that light. I'm going to open up and tell you that when I was 21, and I had, no, I was 22, and I had just graduated college, and I hadn't been to Israel or anything to learn, um, I was going to learn, though, but I hadn't been really keeping any mitzvot or anything. But I, I, was, I was at my parents' house in my childhood bedroom, and I was reading a book on Kabbalah from the Borders bookstore. It was no, nothing, uh, it was just very, very surface. I mean, it was great, but it was, uh, it was not the, the proper, it wasn't Kabbalah proper, but it was like, whatever, one in the afternoon, and I just dozed off in the middle of the afternoon. Pretty nice to be a college grad with nothing to do. And I had an amazing, amazing dream out of the blue. And I met my soul. And I saw this extremely powerful light. Extremely huge, bright, so bright, brighter than the sun. Way brighter than the sun. Can't really describe it to you. And I saw how I was connected to this and that this was my true self. And that this, this light was me. And that it would guide me in my life as long as I listened to it and, and trusted it. And that and that this is where I was one with God, that, that this was my, that God in my life was an expression of myself as a ray coming from Him, and that this was my power, and not in the sense of, of like dominating, just of, of, of that I would succeed in, 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 in the end, and, I, and looking back, I know that everybody has this within them. This is the soul. But in the light, it was so bright, I couldn't see any details in it. I just knew it was so powerful, more powerful than anything in the physical universe. And that's what we're talking about. That's this light. But what is it? But what, what is that light that we all know, we all sense? We have so many we have so many noises that we hardly can ever touch it. And that dream was a gift, I'm telling you. I, I didn't do anything at all. It was something I needed as a boost to to assist me in what I needed to do in my life. It ultimately helped me to make sure that I got married, had children, and all all these things. So let me let me uh bring up a different topic now. The Jewish people, there are two th interesting seeming opposites that Jewish people are, are compared to. They're similar opposites. One is they're compared to the stars in the sky, and the others are compared to the dust of the earth. Now these would seem to be pretty extreme differences. The stars in the sky, oh wow. It says in the Talmud, actually it's so fascinating, 
the Talmud is so brilliant. The Talmud, knew, we knew, we had a tradition from Hashem. We knew how many stars there were in the universe. There's a Gemara in Brachot, the first, the first tractate of Talmud, where God is telling the Jewish people, the Jewish people feel like Hashem has left them after they did the golden calf. And God says, I'll never forget you. You know why? Because I created all these stars. And it just starts mentioning all these different formations of stars. And there's 30 of these formations. And in each formation, there's a billion. And then, you know, and then the number becomes enormous. And the, the exponents, like 10 to the 28th, is what NASA has discovered. It's pretty amazing. Like, you can't just see that in, a, in whatever way they could count stars back then. It has to be a received tradition from Hashem, from the Creator, who knows how many stars there are. And the Gemara says that number is so enormous that nobody in their, in their lifetime, if you counted a star just for every moment of your life, you could never count that. So the, the, Torah, the Torah, this week's Parsha of, of Deuteronomy, the beginning of the book of Deuteronomy, Moshe compares us to the stars. And Rashi says, how is that possible? You, <laughs> there were only 600,000 Jews and uh, nobody in their lifetime could even count the stars, so obviously there, there weren't that many. Rashi's answer has a cryptic answer. Rashi is the foremost Torah commentary. He says that what it means is that just as the stars have rulership over the world, because the Torah believes, the Torah, the Torah shows us that the stars, they're just tips of the iceberg of the spiritual flows that flow in from higher worlds of spiritual force to have a direct impact on our world. But we know we're not astrologers. We believe that our souls actually exist higher than the stars. And even if the stars, in, in, the, in the aspect of that there is something to say about astrology, and Judaism recognizes that, but that the power of free will and the power of connecting to Hashem, the power of connecting to one's deep, enormous, beautiful, powerful soul can alter the course of what would normally be what the stars would coordinate in this world. So when the Torah tells us that we're like the stars, and the Rashi brings out that it means that not by number, but by influence, it's telling us that our souls in their true root are extremely powerful spiritual forces. And it's actually in that place where what we choose in, with free will in our, in our situation down here, we don't know it. But it's, what it's actually doing is it's causing us to reach up to that spiritual powerhouse of our soul to pull down blessings in our lives. And the whole physical world is rearranged. All our experiences in this plane of time and space are actually in a hidden way, very, very hidden way, being arranged according to how the choices we make is able to pull down a stronger and stronger signal from where we exist on that level beyond the stars. Of course, the fact that this is true is hidden. That's what it means that God hid the light, both in the creation and before we're born. He hides our true nature from ourselves. So then, what does it mean that we're compared to the dust of the earth? And Rashi again says, in a cryptic way, when we're doing the mitzvot, 
We're like the stars. We're at the top of the whole thing. But when we're not doing the mitzvot, when we are running away from our opportunity to express our deep, deep treasures of who we are in this world, to make this world a vessel, to express our, our godliness in it, within it, that the, that the world should be a home for our self-expression of our godly nature, then we, we fall down and we're like the dust. And what does this mean? But without, let's talk about it, and I'm going to circle back and answer the original question, I promise, of where are our memories? So now we have to talk about what is this dust, and what exactly was, what was the basic point the Arizal was coming to explain to us? Who here has heard of the concept of the shattering of the vessels and the, and the falling down of the holy sparks? Has anyone heard this before? So the Arizal basically explains it like this. When you look at the second verse of the Torah, it says that the earth was chaos and void. This was a situation where, how do I say it? The vessels of this world, all items, all events, is like a great matrix of possibility. Let's imagine, let's do a thought experiment. Let's imagine a palace, this be- a beautiful, beautiful palace. It's, it's, it represents a state of perfection. Everything's there. Everything's complete, perfect order. It's a palace made of light. All possible perfection is there. And let's imagine that there's nowhere for that palace to to express itself. It exists only as an idea. It, it, it's 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 the most real thing there is because it's it's the truth. It's the truth that everything is perfect. But there's no there's no medium or space for within which it can reveal itself to us. So then there needs to be that medium or space. It can't express itself to us that just as that light of who we are is so bright and so intense and it's amazing, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to even experience it, but there's something more we want. We want to experience this palace, which is the true universe, and we want to experience ourselves, which is that deep light. We can't see the details. We, 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 we know it's so great and wonderful, but but we have no idea what it really is, and we want to know what it really is. And my friends, that's the deep secret of the tree of knowledge. 
This was Adam's mistake with the tree of knowledge. Now listen carefully. The tree of knowledge is our lives. The tree of knowledge is the matrix of time and space within which we have struggles. And what Adam was supposed to do, as all of our souls were in Adam in that perfect place, he was supposed to have all the experiences that we've been having in our lives and in the 6,000 years of history. Again, talk about evolution, talk about billions of years. I'm not worried about that. We can explain that in, in different Kabbalistic principles. But he was to... He was to have all those experiences and go through that one, all those challenges in one great test. As we existed as the Jewish people within Adam, as our, in our souls, we were supposed to, whatever this means, it's, it's beyond comprehension, but as a, as a concept, we, were, he, we as him were supposed to gather up all of the energy, all the experiences of the 6,000 years, but in one, in one motion to actually enter the tree of knowledge, but in the right way that God had asked him to do. And his mistake was he entered it too soon, and without getting into detail, then he blasts apart after he lives out his shorter, shorter lifespan. And now we, as we existed inside of him, we all fall out, and now we're having our experience. But without getting going down that road too much, that's not really the topic I wanted to talk about we see that the idea of, of time and space outside of the realm of perfection, outside of the Garden of Eden, outside of this palace of perfect light, that, that, that whole, this whole concept of, of our very worldly experience, where we're constantly making choices and we're constantly struggling with emotions and how to, choosing which emotion to feel, or choosing which emotion to follow, choosing which thought to follow, choosing which job to take, which girl to marry. We're constantly making choices. What we're doing, according to the Ari, is we are actually selecting energies of ourselves that, that exploded a second time after the sin of the tree of knowledge. And we are gathering ourselves into ourselves to create a house, to create a, a space within which that brilliant light of who we are can express. When you eat food, what are you doing? You're taking energy from the world and it becomes your body. When you have an experience in the world, you're taking potential energy of a possible situation within which you can express a facet of yourself and you're making it happen. That's where you exist as the quote-unquote the dust. Where we exist as the stars is that we actually are, now listen very carefully, we actually are in our true nature if we imagine the real world, the real world is a perfect place 
and it is a structure and it is designed as it, it is a who we are we are the true world and who are we we are a composite of all the choices we could possibly make our true good deep pure selves is a composite of all the good choices we could make listen to that very carefully I'm going to repeat it our true selves are a sum totality of all the good choices we can make. What does that mean? It means that actually when God built the world, it says, Yisrael that the thought of the nation of Israel and all those holy righteous souls of the nations that would support God in revealing himself in the world to 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 really be good that's really what he created he created a great enormous beautiful infinite place of all of the good deeds that we could do all the good deeds that we could do in every single moment of our lives is actually the spiritual energy that runs the universe. Everything else is just a screen or, or an environment within which the, the amount of those good choices that we take is actually ex expressing itself. Let me, let me put it to you a different way. Let's imagine, let's imagine a multiverse theory. Let's imagine that this universe, and this is what the Arizal teaches us, let's actually imagine that there is one world, there is one universe, but we know the idea of a multiverse, the idea of multiverse, of the idea of multiple universes. What if I told you that this one universe, in its root, is actually a component of countless multiverses, and that those countless multiverses was a system of all the different choices that we could possibly select and all their nuance. That for every choice you could possibly make in the way that you make it, that's actually who you are and that's actually the true universe. So that when you make a choice and you decide, I'm going to come to this class two minutes early or I'm going to come two minutes late or I'm going to have two beers instead of one beer, and all the reasons I'm going to do that and all the motivations that lead me to that choice and everything. And if it was the exact right choice or if it was not so right but kind of right, all those calculations is actually who you are and it's actually the true world. And that when you do a mitzvah, it doesn't mean, oh, we're all robots and we're just doing all these rules. No, God forbid, that's the opposite. The mitzvot, the Ari teaches us, is that you have a very special path in the world. And the mitzvot, of course, they're, they're, a, they're a set of rules to guide the Jewish nation as a whole. But of course, how you express the mitzvah of learning Torah, how you express the mitzvah of keeping Shabbat, I mean, we, have to, we, we are supposed to keep Shabbat according to the laws. But how you enjoy Shabbat, how within the framework of Shabbat, of resting and not doing work, 
but how you spend it. Do you like to sing a lot? You know, do you want to go visit a hospital? Do you want to go walk to a hospital and cheer people up by singing to them? Do you want to have a big table full of guests? Do you want to be a guest at someone's table? Do you want to be all by yourself and, and, and eat the required meals but meditate the whole time and, and keep the rules? You should probably go to shul, but maybe you don't have to. Maybe for some people it's an exception. Maybe for certain people they don't. They, they, for some Shabbat, they just can't go to Minyan. They need to spend it by themselves in the woods all day, meditating, singing. As long as they're not breaking a twig or, or throwing a rock. Right? That's the real world. That's when you're when you're really touching that, and you're expressing yourself, you're 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 attempting to deeply align yourself with that moment you learned about. That here it is now. Here's here's one of those moments that the angel was teaching you of that column of light of who you really are. And when you make that choice, all these things align. All these different multiverses of possible flows coming into the world according to your choice are lining up and the whole physical universe is now aligning because you being here is actually manifesting this experience how? because these sparks of you manifesting in a physical body in this table, in this seat at this time with these feelings that you're feeling was actually something that God created in an extremely deep way. That's the that's what he when we call the shattering of the vessels and the falling of the sparks, he intentionally shattered the environment within which the choices you make express themselves in the environment. He intentionally shattered the parts of you. It's called your nefesh. It's called your life force that's found in the world. What's the proof that your life force is found in the world? Well, if you didn't eat, you'd die. So, there must be an aspect of yourself that's found in the food. It's all these sparks of yourself. And you're making choices, hopefully, to eat kosher food. And you're eating it. And you're in, it's in integrating in your body. And now your soul is able to continue to manifest and, and finally manifest in the physical world in the body. Your body is now housing around your soul to, to express your soul continuously in the world. Because you went and found those sparks and those pieces of dust in that food and included it within yourself. And now you continue to manifest and you continue to grow and, and have your life journey. It doesn't just stop with eating though. Every, every, every experience you have, you're integrating that experience. It's out there in the, in the quantum possibility fields. You're going and having that experience and you're integrating that dust and you're connecting it to the part of yourself that's like the stars. And that's where the memories are. The memories... Uh, let me just... Sorry, before I go there. What's the point of this? The fact that there are pieces of you, dust particles of you, that you have to go out and find in your food and the experiences and the choices that you make as you fix the tree of knowledge if it wasn't so dynamic, and if there wasn't a broken, confusing situation corresponding to every choice that you could make and bring down from that place where you're perfect, from that place where you exist in the stars, 
we wouldn't have the incredible deep dynamic process of the world. In other words, let me give it to you in like a mathematical structural formula. For every choice you can make from the place where you exist and all the perfect choices you can make and all the very nuanced ways that you can make them, there has to be a corresponding shattering and realm of possibility and realm of, of, of uh, confusion and seeming chaos to correspond to all those choices you can make. In other words, in order for you to have the maximum extent of expressing choice, there has to be a corresponding, in, in, the, in the place where you exist in perfect order, there has to be a corresponding realm of shattering and, and, and non-stop motion and non-stop um, moral dilemma where you can constantly be in that dynamic environment because if that, if that environment was a dynamic and non-stop requiring you to constantly make good choices to manifest in good ways, to manifest that, that light of who you are, to properly manifest it in the environment, well, then the life wouldn't be so rich. And this is getting into just touching on, a, on, a, on, a, on an idea that we can use to strengthen ourselves, to remember when we're faced with very challenging choices and situations in our lives, really God thought of this. We believe God thought of this as that it was what we exactly need in order to, to earn that we express ourselves in making a choice, that we ultimately chose to take that energy of possibilities of manifesting ourselves in the world in different ways and we worked hard to finally make those choices in which now we create ourselves in the world. That, In other words, the choices in a sense were made for us because who we are in our perfect world, we exist as all those good choices. But the question is, are we going to manifest that in the world of dust? And when we finally do, and even if it's hard, it's a great deep satisfaction, the ultimate gift, the ultimate satisfaction that we did it. And remember, sometimes when we're faced with really hard challenges and choices, it's a result that for whatever reason beyond our control, we didn't know how to do this. And we made a lot of blunders. And in fact, and this is a very deep point, we talk about the shattering of the world in order to create this place of, of challenge and choice. Every one of us, when we grew up, as children and adolescents, our parents inevitably made mistakes and, and, and our teachers and our society inevitably did, did us wrong, but they didn't do us wrong. This is from the deep design of Hashem's mind that He intentionally breaks us sometimes and just as when, when we're born and He takes away that knowledge of the Torah. That was like we were shattered. And then we know nothing. We can't even talk. We can't even move. So similarly... We're, we're, we're broken and we're softened when we're younger and vulnerable, but it's not to hurt us. God forbid someone's being abused. You know, it's a terrible thing. But what it's actually meant to do when we aren't given the answers, and then when we aren't given the answers and we make mistakes and things break in our lives, well, that, that this actually set, creates the setting within which when we bring the pieces back together, that's like sometimes the only way that we can express our true maturity our true bravery, our true power, where, yeah, things broke and broke and broke in our lives, but then it pushes us to, to dig deep, 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 and all of a sudden we, we touch 
that power, that power coming from beyond the stars, that's more powerful than the stars, that power of our choice. We wouldn't have to do it if we didn't feel so broken. And then we, then God shows us, oh, you're actually invincible. You're actually amazing. You're actually one with me. And whatever broke, you touch that place through, through prayer, through, through tefillah, which doesn't mean prayer. It means, it means to, to bind yourself to your true self and through mitzvot, which doesn't mean commandments. It means to bind the energy of this world and manifest inside the energy of this world according to the true power of your soul, to bring down the true power of your soul into the world. And so this answers our question. Where do memories exist? The memories existed before they even occurred. The memories of the, ch- the, the choices that we make, which then become memories, they actually exist in the place who we are. But what? Before we're born, before... Yeah, the angel is, is revealing this to us, but we can't see the details. We had the memory before it happened, but we had no idea what it was. Now when we're born into the world and we had an experience and something deep happens in our lives, and then we actually have the memory, what's actually happening is we're gathering the world into ourselves and now we're able to see, oh, that was what that angel taught me. Now I'm here and I'm down in a, very, in a world of very small moments of time and space compared to the infinite place where I come from. And now I'm experiencing that deep thing I learned. Maybe if it was beyond my capacity, now I can see, oh, I remember that Torah lesson. Now I'm experiencing it. So then when you have that memory, all that, all that energy of, this, of the moment you were in, when you, when you were producing that memory, you're actually taking all that, that, that energy, all, all, those, all the lights, all the sounds, all the tastes, all the experience, and you've now connected it to yourself. That where that moment, where that experience existed was only a potential of your soul to manifest that experience, now it's actually occurred. And now you have gone and you've gathered the sparks of that experience, and now you've, you've added to the palace of that perfect world that where now you've actually gone out and you've had the experience and you've and you've gathered the energies of the expression of the otherwise inexpressible possibility that that possibility was so real and so always possible but you couldn't see it when it was in that brilliant blinding palace of life now you've had that possibility and you've in, re, reintegrated it into the overall human experience. That's exactly how they describe it. I hope I'm making some little bit of sense. Please ask me questions. The bottom line is, is that what the Ari comes to teach us in, in the idea of quantum physics and observer-created reality is that we exist in our perfect place as all those great choices we can make. And when we talk about an observer-created reality, and an idea of, of, in quantum physics, of possibility fields, where an item could be one place or another, but when you observe it in a certain way, you fix it into place. According to the Torah, that's absolutely true. And what it means is that when you do a mitzvah, you, you make a choice where now the reality is manifesting and fixing into place in a good, pleasant way.
not always easy, but ultimately in the way that's expressing the truth. And when we continue to express the truth and we cause reality to manifest the truth by observing the reality with the eyes of spirituality, by acting in this reality and fixing it into place in a good way through the actions of spirituality, the ultimate benefit of that is that we actually then build, we actually created, and we actually expressed ourselves. Baruch Hashem.